Two guys. Two topics. Two, two, two. two opinions. You talk. Give me two. This is the split story of the day on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. Middleton drives, cut off, stolen by Lowry. On the run, Lowry to Leonard. Down the bound. He threw it in the face of Giannis Antetokounmpo. Kawhi Leonard with punctuation makes it 87-79 Toronto. Six-tenths of a second to go. Hill no good. That's it. That is it. History has been made. The young franchise, born in 93, named in 94, after expansion drubbings, after sweeps in the playoffs and heartbreaking defeats. The little man has come of age. The Toronto Raptors are Eastern Conference champions. It's on to the finals against the Golden State Warriors. I wasn't listening to that. Who's the little man? You're talking about Toronto, the the Raptors, the young franchise. As, as yeah. a, mm-hmm. okay. Any oh. thoughts on that, or are you just well, Let's get right to it, because I don't <laughs> want to keep boring you over there. Uh, as uh, your very intelligent co-host predicted, the Toronto Raptors are going to represent <laughs> the Eastern Conference in the NBA Finals. You waffled there in the middle of that series. I'll tell you what, I, I 100% did. After going down 0-2, I, I thought that Toronto didn't have enough bench. I didn't think they had enough firepower to overcome what uh, what Milwaukee was doing. And Nick Nurse, a first-year head coach, made a terrific adjustment in game number three, basically locking up Kawhi on Giannis and then building that wall that we talked about. And it was 100% effective to the point that the Raptors rattled off four in a row. And Coach Bud, Coach Budenholzer, who gets all this credit in the world, had no answer for what Nick Nurse did. Nothing. So, so now we can ask Kawhi, what's it like to win that many games in a row? He can say, feels darn good. Not, I don't know. I had never known it. <laughs> well, I, I think Kawhi is having a playoff. His entire work in the playoffs has been borderline historic. And he's, he's been amazing. And he's not, and he's not even 100%. Well, yeah, I mean, he's been faking injury for a couple of years now, but, <laughs> he, you know. But can I, a quick side note? So a bruised quad sidelined Kawhi for an entire NBA season. There's uh, What's his name? DeMarcus Cousins tore his quad at the beginning of the playoffs, and he's questionable for game one. Who was it? Was it Tony Parker who said, my injury was much worse It was worse way than worse, <laughs> and I'm back. I'm here. <laughs> And I love it how that's a storyline with Kawhi now, too. Well, you know, the injury. There was the injury. He's coming back from that injury. It's like, hmm. Mr. Is, Tough is, guy. He, is he coming back from an injury? You know, I hate that because I want to enjoy Kawhi Leonard as a player without that drag attached to it. Oh, he's amazing. And I love it that he's a two-way player. I love everything about his game and his story Except for, for last year, how we left San Antonio, uh, and I, I've got a big issue with that. But uh, you look at his game, how he's developed his shot, where he was when he came from uh, with San Diego State, right down right. to our history here in this market with yeah. Kawhi Leonard dating all the way back to college. I love everything about that, and, and I like his demeanor too. Yeah. I, he's not particularly colorful, and he's not really interesting to listen to, but he ha- he has sort of a. I I I don't, I'm going to say this, but I don't know whether it's 100 percent authentic or not. But he seems to have a humility about him that some guys don't have. So yeah. it's cool with him, but not Mike Trout. Gotcha. 
<laughs> well, neither one of them are exactly uh, ripping up no, the old no, Q score no. ranking or whatever that thing was. No, I, I like Mike Trout. I just I'm just telling you that what Sports Illustrator, ESPN, whoever it was, wrote about him. All right, it has I, the personality of a plate of sand. My father and I had this conversation uh, yesterday. While you were watching the Indy 500? Uh, no, oh. no, we were not watching that, actually. Uh, is Kawhi Leonard right now a top three player in the NBA? I'd put him top five. I, I don't know. I Obviously, he's playing great in the in the postseason, but is that enough to establish himself as that? So here's the debate in my mind. Okay. LeBron decided not to play defense this year. I mean, just decided to ignore that side of the floor. <laughs> and maybe you can't blame him because his team sucked and, you know, he, he's trying to stay healthy right. and, and all those sorts of things we can have. But Plus he had that business meeting in the afternoon he had to get to. How much does that detract from his top threeness? Because I think Steph has proved that he's that in this playoff run. I think most rational people would put Kevin Durant yes, there. And then, him. so is it Kawhi or LeBron? In my mind, that's the argument that I'm having. Because LeBron's offense didn't really fall off this year, but he did, he decided not to play D, where Kawhi is definitely a force at both ends of the floor, which, which LeBron has absolutely been at points in his career. He just wasn't this year. So how much does that knock him down? In my mind, it puts him behind Kawhi right now. It, it, I have to see. Uh, we know what LeBron's capable of doing. Has there been slippage? Is it permanent, or was it just a, a one-off? And so next year we'll see LeBron being LeBron again, which is sort of what I suspect is going to happen. I mean, yeah. he's not like he's going to play at his optimum level. I mean, Father Time and all that, but uh, that's a tough one. That is really, really Because I think one. top five is easy. I think Kawhi is a top five player in the NBA. In fact, I was saying that last year when he wasn't playing. So I It's hard to tell because he wasn't, wasn't playing. Right. But he just reminded everybody how good he was before that devastating quad bruise nearly <laughs> ended his career. We're all reminded exactly how special of a player he is and was. And maybe even taking it to the next level. So I I think top five is pretty easy to argue. Uh, now, uh, Giannis, you also have to throw into that discussion. And maybe we're now devaluing Giannis because we saw his weaknesses yes. exposed yeah. uh, a little bit. Mm-hmm. He's, he's got to figure a shot out. If he does, he'll be absolutely unstoppable. Yeah, but agree. if he doesn't, he'll be... A superstar, not a legend. If well, that makes any sense. Yeah, they've uh, they've shown the blueprint on how to uh, right. to slow him down. And uh, I don't know though. Put LeBron on Toronto instead of Kawhi, and would they have? Would they be where they are now? That's a great question. I, I mean, because I, I think they would. Because LeBron was doing that up and down the Eastern Conference yeah. for years, obviously. Yeah, I mean, interest level is pretty important to these guys, and uh, whatever they're, you know, it's like the actor. What's my motivation? You know, maybe people would move Steph out of their top three because he doesn't play defense. I shouldn't say doesn't play defense, but he's overmatched on that side of the floor more often than not. Well, a lot of these guys, I know you love the two-way player, and I do too. It's uh, fun to watch. People do that. I mean, Michael Jordan did that, yep, right? So did Kobe. It's fun, but sometimes these guys are so. Uh, depended upon at the offensive end that you might understand why they occasionally slip into James Harden mode. See, I don't. I, I'm not. I'm not excusing it, but I'm saying right. that it, that that is a component to the equation. 
I I think that what you're saying definitely is reality. So let me put it that way. But I it it's such a an excuse to me. And then you look at the greats that did play both ways, and right. you're like, come on, man, the, the game's they, not any longer. But, but think about it, Jake. Did they did they always play? All out at both ends all the time. Well, Buck Johnson didn't. But if you look at some of the other greats, <laughs> I think the answer is yes. Like, uh, okay, you mentioned, I mentioned Michael, you mentioned Kobe. Uh, who else fits into that category? Uh, so I think Carl and John both fit into that category. John, John's defense started lapsing a little bit as uh, more, father time. More, more than a little bit. Uh, fair enough. But at his prime, I think he was a savvy defender. Maybe not a shutdown player, but I think savvy defender. Um, maybe not legend status, but Gary Payton was a great player on both sides yeah. of the floor. Um, I think you could safely say Shaq was a great player on both sides of the floor, even though we don't necessarily think of him as a as a you know one on one defender. I watched all those guys play, and I'm trying to remember whether whether they were all out all the time. I mean, that's such a that's such a tough thing to ask somebody to do. But maybe not. Jerry Sloan would laugh at that comment and say, getting paid, go do it. You know? Uh, Hakeem, pretty all out on both sides of the floor. The Admiral. I'd say Tim Duncan certainly was a force at, yeah. on his at, during his prime, and maybe it's easier for a big than it is for a wing or a, or a guard. You know, I wonder how much how much this comes into play with great players, great offensive players at the defensive end, namely that they can play it, but they don't. Hey, that's not that's not where I get paid, you know. I think James Harden falls into that category a little bit. He's a good enough athlete to play it. That he should be able to play and defense. That's why yeah. he didn't get a vote on the all-defensive yeah, uh, team. He did get a vote, all-defensive team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Part of the reason I think Clay Thompson 100% deserved to be on an all-NBA team he's and good. that he's better he's than a player like Kemba Walker because he's, he is terrific. He's equally good at both ends. Yes. Maybe, maybe even better at the defensive end. Which though. is an amazing thing to say because yeah. he's pretty damn good at the offensive side. So... I, I I mean that's so, my bias. I like the two way player. There's no doubt. But but Steph isn't necessarily a two way player, and I've got him in my top three. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. So Toronto goes through all this trouble to get beat by the Warriors, and really, I mean, they've accomplished something doing what they've done. Uh, and I think they will get. Uh, this will be one sided. I think the games themselves might be close, but the series won't be. I don't know. I don't know, Gordon, because I'm, I'm hearing things that the, the return of Kevin Durant probably not all that likely, even though I, get, I know he is traveling with the team to Toronto. Rick Buecher was saying earlier He's out today. for the first game for sure. Buecher was saying that you could read that two ways, and he covers the Warriors, by the way, as well as the senior NBA writer. But he said you can read it two ways. One, that Kevin's close and that he could be possibly a go for, for game number two. Or – that he's not going to go for the entire series, so it doesn't matter if he stays home and, and rehabs it because he might as well be with his team. Huh. Okay. So you can kind of look into that how you want. But, I mean, here's, here's the interesting part about Toronto, and speaking of two-way players, if you're Toronto, Kawhi's so good, you can have him take one of their big two out of the series. Yeah. And how does Golden State respond? How does Golden State respond to that? Because that's where Kevin Durant is so valuable because he just can score on anybody at any time. So, so you get him the ball and he'll take care of business. They're not going to have that. So let's say that Kevin Durant can't go initially. Uh do you put Kawhi on Steph? 
But that's what I'm saying. Or yeah. Clay. Who do you want to take? Who do you do take you pl- out of the series? Hmm. How effective would he be? Could he take Steph away? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, Shut d- him d- down. define what, what, what are we looking at? Yeah, right, right. Instead of thirty plus points, have him average twenty plus points. I might be tempted to do that. Right. Yeah. Uh, although. Yeah. And that's how valuable a player like Kawhi is. Because you have that option. Whereas I think we're going to see Draymond Green defensively matched up on Kawhi Leonard, which is going to be a really tough matchup for him. And maybe not all the time, but Iguodala. I think we'll see him on, on, will be on him too. Kawhi quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, they'll probably throw a lot of different defenders. They'll probably throw mm-hmm. Clay at him as well. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's a tough matchup for him on the other side. But I think this series is actually really fascinating. I'm with you. I think the Warriors win. But I, I, I think Toronto will open some eyes. Now, I'll probably be completely wrong about that, and they'll get swept out. But well, Toronto's a quality team. Yep. You know, two two things that we can absolutely strike from the books right now: that Toronto isn't a super high quality team. It is. I remember talking with Quinn Snyder about Toronto when the Jazz played them, and I remember him saying, "What a fine team they are! Really, they are. They're really good. I know they're from the East, and everybody runs down the East and all. That's a good team. The other thing to absolutely once and for all strike from the books is that the Warriors are not a better team without Kevin Durant. No, can we please put no. a cork on that one? They're a little different, but I don't think better. I'm with you. But, I mean, we've heard an awful lot of talk about that. You know, I'm getting to the point now, every time I hear it, I, I just it's like, it's like uh, you know, fingernails on the chalkboard. It's, it, 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 he's, the, he's probably the best player on planet Earth. All right? So you can't take him off a team and be better. There's no way. All right, the Lakers are an absolute mess. I do think it's uh, an underscore to the importance of uh, good ownership and good front office management in the NBA. (laughs) But uh, ESPN.com's Baxter Holmes released a story today, and it's a great story. And you can tell that he's been working on it for uh, for a very long time because it's really well sourced. He's got sources from... Uh, and, and a lot of it unnamed, most of it unnamed, but sources from the coaching staff to the front office to just nuts and bolts people from kind of all levels of the Laker organization. From friends of Jeannie Buss? Uh, no, but she references, or he references friends of Jeannie Buss. Okay. Your gal, Linda Rambus, who I know you're, you're <laughs> such a huge, huge fan of. But my, my takeaway from this is, is that you've got to hire the right people. And, and the bottom line issue in the Lakers, and if you read this, it's, it's really evident to me, that Jeannie Buss did not hire people with enough experience. That Buck Johnson, Irvin, <laughs> and Rob Palinka don't know what they're doing because they've never done it before. And this story is really interesting because it, it shows that, you know, even when Irvin showed up, which was once every week or every two weeks in some circumstances, mm-hmm. he'd come in and the, the staff had a joke that who's going to show up today, Magic or Irvin? Because mm-hmm. Magic is that guy you see on TV with a big smile, but Irvin is is laying down the law. In fact, there was a some snafu about getting a, a player over to the basketball facility to work out pre-draft, and they ordered like the wrong time for the car service or something like that, and 
he basically threatened to fire the staffer, and they eventually quit, and they had anxiety issues <laughs> after it. But it, it kind of describes the culture that they created. And one issue in it, that Rich Paul is playing a huge role. He's he's riding on the, the charter jet and doing all these things that agents usually don't have the privilege of doing. And Polinka coming from that world was actually getting manipulated by that world. Mm-hmm. And the other agents for the players on, on the Lakers are resenting the relationship that Rich Paul has with the Laker brass and are encouraging their clients to stay away. Mm-hmm. Not good. And then it gets to, uh, you know, there's, again, this is a really long story, but there there are parts where, uh, about Jeannie, where she is well aware of all of this because really there are members of her family scattered throughout the organization that undoubtedly have told her, and she chooses to do nothing. And Linda Rambis, who has this reputation as the shadow owner of the Lakers, is a part of the story where she actually relishes that. I mean, doesn't really hide from it, you know, doesn't it it actually embraces the fact that she manipulates the owner into Mm. doing what she wants. Because that assigns to her power. And then, yes, basically. Okay, before we go any further with this, do you think that people who are doing things for the first time are bound to fail? Let me give you an example. Okay. Even smart people, because Phil Jackson is a a terrific basketball mind, Mm -hmm. but he goes back to run the Knicks, and how'd that go? Not well. Not well, Bob. And and you'd have to say he's 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 obviously an intelligent basketball mind, but sometimes doing things the first time, it does take a few laps around the track before you really get it completely figured out. But I, I'm trying to think of somebody who did something for the first time and just absolutely killed it. I'll tell you this, and I've I've um, I've mentioned these this story or this on the air before. The first time I was made program director of the Zone, which is over ten years ago now, I was completely in over my head. Did you? I made a bunch of mistakes. Really? Yeah, absolutely. And had to learn how to interact with, uh, you know, people in the boardroom as well as staff members. Mm. And I was put in some awkward positions, too, that that weren't the easiest to negotiate my way out of. But I definitely made some mistakes I 100 percent learned from. uh, Did you learn them quickly? First go around. I mean, could you I mean, how long did it take you before you felt like you you had a, a firm grip on the whole challenge? Oh, I don't know if I could because different problems or different mistakes uh, or, but, but probably it's a moving target. Probably six months to a year. But here's the thing: I don't feel like I was. I th- I feel like I was rushed into that position a little bit, and maybe not. I'm not trying to make a mistake don't, or uh, an excuse. Don't get right. me wrong here, but I I wasn't necessarily groomed for that position enough. I was just kind of thrown into it because of another awkward situation. Well, which we don't need to really, talk about it. These guys weren't really groomed. But either. but I guess that's that's exactly yeah. my point. I wasn't hired to be the president of basketball operations for the Los Angeles Lakers, a job that dozens, if not hundreds, of qualified people would bend over backwards to get. You know, yeah. it, it, I don't think it's really apples to oranges. I mean, you, you, I, I would guess that if you, if the Lakers called Dennis Lindsay and say we're going to give you a substantial raise and we want you to come in and run this show, he'd at least give it some thought. So. And, and I think Dennis is a good example, actually. Look at look at how he was groomed for his current yeah. position, mm-hmm. you know? 
spending time with R.C. Buford down there in San Antonio and then time with Daryl Morey in Houston and look at his background. And that's kind of working your way up, not just taking a former superstar, right. plugging him in and saying go, and then saying, well, he's qualified for this. He opened a bunch of Starbucks in Southern California. Same thing with uh, with Justin Zanuck. But I mean, see, he's Zanuck... Been, he's been groomed. Oh, came, exactly, yeah. He came from a different world, sort of, on the other side, and uh, seems to have... Uh, uh, been able to observe. It's like it's like a young player who needs yep. to watch a little bit before he's actually out there. Well, I think Zanuck, who's got an agent background just like Rob Palinka, but you look at instead of Palinka just went from Kobe's agent to general manager of an NBA franchise, Zanuck has spent well at least a decade now, right, or pretty close. It's it's he's been a while in the in the front office for the Jazz and the Bucks. It's even multiple franchises. Yeah. So there, I think there is some grooming there. And, and I've told you this before. I don't hate the idea of having a general manager with an agent's background. You have to learn to function in that world, but you've got to make sure you've got the right guy. That's the most important thing. The, one thing that really stood out to me in this, in this piece is apparently, uh, well, Rob Polinka calls himself a storyteller, but apparently he's just making stuff up. <laughs> he told, he, there's an anecdote in this story he told uh, to his players about Kobe Bryant. And how Kobe saw, uh, but what's the what's the Heath Ledger Batman? Uh, Bat- Dark Moon Rises. Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> Bad Moon Rises. Wow. Something like that. <laughs> okay. The Dark Knight. Dark Knight right. Rises. No, just the Dark Knight. So uh, the Dark Knight. So Polinka tells a story about how Kobe saw that movie and was so impressed by Heath Ledger's performance that when they were in New York, Polinka lined up a dinner with Heath Ledger so Heath could tell Kobe exactly how he got into that moment and uh-huh. that character. And then Polinka said, and Kobe used those lessons in the game that night against the Knicks. Well, there was one significant problem. They'd never met. Well, Heath Ledger had been dead for two months oh. before the movie even came out. <laughs> uh, that's not really funny. Hmm. So I don't think that story maybe actually uh, happened. And then there was a there was another one where um, uh, Palinka was showing up in the coaches' meetings with Luke Walton uh, when he was meeting with the team, and apparently it was having a real effect on how Luke was communicating with his players because the players wouldn't communicate back. Because we've we've been there before, right? Where there's a a big boss in the room or something like that, and maybe you're not as forthcoming with your thoughts and feelings as mm. you would be otherwise. So Walton told Polinka, like, hey, this this is not good. This is negatively affecting us. And Walton said, Walton said, oh, yeah, well, uh, since you've left Golden State, Bob Myers is doing the same thing up at Golden State. Huh. Well, Bob Myers has never once sat in the coaches meeting, according to Bob Myers. Mm. So yeah. there's this reputation that Polinka is full of it. Mm. I'm trying to think of how a story like that could get twisted. Maybe maybe Palinka talked with Jack Nicholson and Jack Nicholson had talked to Heath Ledger about playing the Joker and somehow that story got twisted. I, I don't know. I don't know. Just to manufacture stuff like that is pretty Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you can't do that. I know. I'm, working with somebody who manufactures anecdotes is just see, entirely you guys, frustrating. I was just gonna say that you make that accusation and yet it's all true except for like two. He, he just said someone we work with. You assigned it to you. That's true. I, I did I know just what, say I that. Know what he's getting at. <laughs>
<laughs> I know exactly what he's getting at. All right, we'll get to more coming up. Stay tuned. Want to remind you about the 60 and 60. The Zone Sports Network is counting you down to the start of the 2019 college football season by ranking the 60 best college football players in the state in 60 days, as voted on by members of the Utah Sports Media. And now you, the fans, that's right, for the first time ever, you too can have your voices heard by casting your ballot in the top 60 and 60 fan vote. Visit 60in60fanvote.com. By the way, that's the number 6060in60fanvote.com or just go to 1280thezone.com and submit your ballot today. More next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.